If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is an Old Testament book, after Psalms, after Proverbs, before the Song of Solomon, is Ecclesiastes. And I just, I want to proclaim to you today, you are beloved by the King. Isn't that true? Jesus Christ, for the the joy set before him, came and died on the cross for you and me, and we gather here to worship. And we know it's true. And yet in our lives, often, we've got something I'll call dissonance. You guys know what dissonance is? It's this, uh, you know, I, I think about it, one of my kids likes records, and I, it makes me remember back to when I was in college, and I went into somebody's room to play a record, and I was pretty excited to play it, and I got it out, and I put it on, and, 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 I, and, I, and I put the little stylus down, and I turned it on, and what came out didn't sound anything like what I expected. It was all warbly. It was all like not quite right. And so when I looked closely, what had happened is that a little piece of lint had gotten on the stylus. Have you ever done that? And the little piece, I just had to take the lint off, and then it actually sounded normal again. I think for many of us, our lives, to us, not to other people, often feel a little dissonant. And certainly that's true in Ecclesiastes. We've been looking at this book where where the wisest man ever sort of goes around saying, well, that's absurd. And that's meaningless, and that's tough, and I don't really like that over there. And, and it's really easy to sort of go, well, he's just a pessimist and a downer. But in reality, what he's doing is exposing for you and me that our foundations are often not quite as they should be. We tend to add Jesus in to a life that we want to live. And that the preacher, from the eyes of Solomon, comes and tells you and me, wait a minute, that doesn't really work. So what he's doing, and we've been looking at this, is struggling to find sort of logical meaning in the work we do in our lives and advancing and attaining, and, and the results don't seem to follow the, the, the pathways that I've committed to. There's dissonance. And, and, and he shares wisdom, and particularly today he shares some wisdom that I think you should hear. I need to hear. I'm not sure that we normally think about these things as he presents them. So it's good for us to hear from God in wisdom, but then to think, and we'll do this at the end, how does this particularly impact us when we are loved by the king? What does it mean for you and me? So that's what we're going to do this morning, is look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and chapter 6 together. It's quite a bit of text, but it goes fast. It's not hard to understand, but we just don't hardly ever read it. I don't know when the last time you read the middle of Ecclesiastes was. So we get to look at that today and treading carefully, sleeping soundly, walking humbly are areas that he lifts up before us to consider. So let's consider together first this idea of treading carefully. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Come look at it if you want to follow along in your Bible. I'll put the text up too on the board. Guard your steps, he says. When you go to the house of God, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they don't know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness. And a fool's voice with many words. 
Okay, so, so here's the guy, and he's, he's, he's looking out. He's super wise. He's wiser than we'll ever be. Many ways, right? God gave him the gift of wisdom. I think God gave me the gift of folly sometimes. <laughs> Not this man. And he looks out and he says, okay, the first thing he's going to talk about is when you, very logical, right? God is in heaven and you are on earth. Don't do the wrong thing around the most powerful being that's ever existed. Sometimes we do, don't we? We come to church, and really what I come to church for is sort of to see my friends and, and to, to hang out a little bit and to, to, to kind of maybe sing a song, but maybe I'm not in the mood for singing, so mostly what I do is critique the guys off key next to me. That's not you. No, sorry, not this. And, and we don't think, wait a minute, I'm coming into the very presence of the Almighty God. Whoa. Yeah, you shouldn't, shouldn't necessarily speak a lot. <laughs> mostly when you want to hear, you want to listen, you want to... You want to feel the depth of how high he is and how low we are. And, and, and that's the idea, right? Lots of talk, which he's kind of speaking against, means you just go in directions you want to go. Your dreams, your foolish thoughts, filling the air with words. And instead he says you should be quiet and trying to hear God. What are his ways? That, that's a good idea, Right? And, and, and so he goes on and says this, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. That again, uh, uh, yeah, don't you think so? Uh, let your, not your mouth lead you into sin. Do not say before the messenger it was a mistake. Well, why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, absurdity. But God is the one you must fear. So, so this idea, right? Lots of ideas. You come and say, man, I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm use God to get to the places I want to go. You know, I, I come to worship God so that he'll be with me and, and so my week will be blessed and so I'll do these things. And the idea is I'm going to co-opt God. So I don't co-opt God. Yeah, but who hasn't done a little bit of if-then? Have you ever done that? Boy, I stood for every single exam in school. Lord, if you just get me through this exam, I will pray, I will be yours, I will, and I have all these things that I would tell God that if he would do this, then I would do that. What's that called? Beyond a conditional statement, it's a vow. If you do this, God, I'll do this. And, and, and the preacher says, hey, that's a big problem because do you keep them all? Because you're talking about God. And sometimes the idea of Jesus is my friend or God is easily accessible. We pray in our bedrooms. We, we pray here at church. We, we can go around and be in the presence of God like that because the veil has been torn. That's so true. But God remains what? God. He is amazing and powerful. And for me, who am nothing, that's, that's the track I should be running on, is this idea that I'm humbled. Even if I have dreams, even if I want God to sort of do a certain thing or give me support in a certain way, and I fill the air with words, throwing my spaghetti at the wall, and, you know, if you do this, God, I'll serve you. If you're kind to me today, I will serve you tomorrow. If then, then I will. All of those are vows. And the wise man says, boy, watch out with that. Maybe you shouldn't do that. How wise are you if you're quiet? Listening. 
don't don't vow, don't raise your head over where you should. It's excellent wisdom, right? It's like like the Pharisee coming in and saying, oh, Lord, thank you for making me so good. I'm so awesome. And the other guy who comes up the tax collector and says, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. He won't even look. That's what I'm after, says Jesus. Wisdom. Say, okay, I get that. that that's good. I, maybe I don't do it very well, but I can see that, Dax. That's a wise thing to do. Tread carefully when you come to God. And, and, and be careful even as you come to worship on Sundays and we come before God and we sing our songs and too often I, 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 don't, I don't settle my heart and, and I ought to. That's good counsel. So that's the first one, good counsel, right? Tread carefully. So here's the next good counsel. Sleep soundly. Yeah. If, if you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched over a higher, and yet there are higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way. A king committed to cultivated fields. Okay, what? What does he say? He's saying he, he, these, are, these are connected things. He's talking about your heart and your desires. What happens? Man, I look out and I see something's not right and there's a there, there's somebody over uh, and, uh, people and, and they're not treating them rightly and I get mad. I, I want to go be the one who makes things right. And this wise man says, no, no, don't let your heart be troubled. Whenever there's an overseer, there's somebody over the overseer. And if that overseer is bad, there's somebody over him. And if someone's bad over there, there's the king. And over the king is God. The highest level is God. Not who? Not you. Like I'm an American. I think, man, I'm, 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 I'm able to get in there and do things and make things right and change the world. And this preacher says, wait, wait, just a minute. You're thinking of yourself pretty highly. Instead, you should think, God is at work. He knows what he's doing. That doesn't mean I don't call sin, sin, or I don't stand for justice, or all these. No, he, he's saying in your own heart, as you struggle, as you look out, this is, this is important. It's so good when the king actually is about basic sustenance where everyone can have enough to eat. That's a good thing. But realize there's a hierarchy, and, and you may not be in it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I kind of sometimes want it to be vengeance is mine, says Dax. He who loves money, he says, will not be satisfied with money. Nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. And if you love stuff and you're not satisfied with it, boy, that's what a sad place to be. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep that's just here take it in right loving money is a pathway to a restless unfulfilled life i'm not talking about that it's sin before god i'm not talking about that oh you know love the money it's the root of all evil those are things are true too this man's talking about hey will you enjoy your life and you won't enjoy your life if you love money why because you're always restless you always want more. And he says this, right? You can only eat so much. There's only one head to rest on a pillow. Having a thousand pillows is foolishness. 
And then he says, like the, the sleep piece, right? If you have, eat a bunch of rich food, it's hard to sleep. But workers, laborers, their bodies tired, they get to rest. And it's sweet to rest because you're super tired. Look at the gift that rest and sleep can be. That's the way it should be, right? Okay, again, I've got to stop. I'm giving you these pieces. They're wisdom. They're wisdom for having a life that is well-lived. Skillful. That's what skillfulness means or wisdom means, is skillful living. And the, the preacher says, hey, I see these things. You should be this way. It's not law. Oh, boy, if you don't, God's going to reject you. No. It's about having a life that you can rest in. You actually sleep, right? It's not particularly godly, just wise. It goes better. There's a grievous evil, he says, that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to their hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he's the father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. And as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked. As he came, shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Whoa. So that's this example, right? It's like the idea becomes, and it's super clear. So this is not good. This is a grievous evil. What that someone says? Okay, I've, I've, I've toiled, so I have wealth, I have possessions, and, and then I, I don't like give it and bless. I I keep it because I want to I want to grow it, and then he puts it in a venture, and the venture fails, and now he's got nothing. Think about his heart. Think about yours. When things don't go well, when the stock market crashes, when the things that you've, you've said, well, I, I've got a plan, and my plan is to go here and do this and, and, and grow, and, and, and then it doesn't happen, and that's, he says, that's not how it should be, but it is. This also is a grievous evil, he says. Just as he came, so shall he go. What gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. He's describing. He's describing when you, hey, with or without God, but certainly God, would you help me? I want this to happen. I want to go this way. I've got a dream. I've got this thing I want to do. And, 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 you, and you sacrifice to get resources so you'll do it. And then it doesn't go. Whose fault is that? It's God's fault. Why? Because I asked him and he didn't give it to me. No, that's what the preacher's saying, right? Your plans aren't God's plans. This is a grievous evil that we think this way. We go this way. We, we, we start to have these desires, and the desires don't go where we want them to. So therefore, I don't sleep soundly. What do I do instead of sleeping soundly? I worry. Who here doesn't worry? No one show of hands. But you know what? I bet you do. Sometime in the middle of the night, sometime during things, things don't go as you think they should go. You start to worry. You worry about your kids. You worry about your direction. You worry about your finances. You worry about your home. Or you worry about your job. You worry about are you doing things rightly? Are you growing? Are, are, are you involved enough? Are you not involved enough? Are people liking you? You have all these things that you start to like worry about. And you don't, what, trust that God actually has you. That's where he's going. Especially when something happens bad like happened to this man who tried to invest and then it went away. And so it says his heart is bound up in vexation and sickness and anger. Don't be like that. <laughs> okay, that's wisdom. That's good wisdom. 
That's why if only is one of the most pernicious phrases you could have. If only this would have happened. If only, and regret, and bitterness, and sadness about what has or hasn't happened in your life, and, and wisdom, or just talking wisdom here, it's one of the most worst things that you can dwell in if you really believe that God has you every moment. Well, God has me every moment, but if I only would have done this different thing, then he would have done something different for me. You really think that? We'll get there. Okay, behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil which one's toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Oh, do you you see the kind of wisdom being espoused? This wisest man says, hey, do you want a life that you will have enjoyed? See your life as a gift of God. Again, he's not saying, well, Jesus Christ says this, and because of the cross, no, he, he has no thinking about the cross. He's thinking about life and looking at it for you and saying, you know what? Your life will go so much better for you if you see it as a gift from God. Everything. It's good and fitting to find enjoyment with the toil you have under the sun. If God's given you wealth and possessions and power to enjoy it, that's a huge gift. Don't look at anyone else. It's you and God. You don't deserve anything, and yet you get good things. It's a gift. You rejoice. You relax. You sleep well at night. God adores you, and he gives you good things, and you should enjoy them. We're not talking about looking at your neighbor and comparing. No, I'm talking about us, right, particularly. We have clothes, we have food, the air that we breathe, the rain that we get to experience. That's such a blessing. Rain is fabulous. I didn't get a laugh. Versus sun. (laughs) Too hot. But look what we get. We get all these things all the time. If you have more, many of us do. This is, he's talking about wisdom, right? The wisdom is not how can you maximize and grow in order to have maximum impact. This is where he's going, right? Think about this with me, you guys who are strivers out there. I know, I've been one. How do I maximize and grow? For the glory of God. Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. That's exactly what he's saying. You're not doing well. Right? Like you're somebody important and special. The, the wisdom is to see what a gift from God that you can enjoy Him. Not hedonistically, not in somebody's face, not with no love of your neighbor, not like, oh, you don't get it. No, no, you live out your life. But, but to have this underlying, getting the lint off of your record player, to say, I'm so blessed. Me, by God, because He's gifted me. The focus is not me getting somewhere. The focus is me having received. And if you see what you have as a gift and not as some important responsibility to make sure you're doing everything right, you'll be able to sleep at night. That's a win. Right? Sleeping soundly. 
Okay, so first we had tread carefully. Realize how amazingly high God is and how low you are. Be careful with what you approach God with. Oh, we have boldness, the New Testament says, but he's still God. Whoa. And the second thing is sleeping soundly. Like the wisest thing you can do is to enjoy what God's given you. Has he given you kids? Fabulous. Has he not, but he's given you something else? Fabulous. We don't all get the same thing. But God gifts us with breath and life. And your life will be better if you receive it like that. Say, but that's, I've got desires. Yeah, follow them. But when they don't work out, that's not God against you. That's like, hey, God continues to bless you all the way through. Okay, so those two things we have so far, and we've got one more. Walking humbly. Okay. There's an evil that I've seen under the sun, he says in chapter 6. And it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth and possessions and honor, so that he lacks nothing at all that he desires, and yet God doesn't give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity, it's a grievous evil. Okay, he's looking out and seeing what happens in the world. This is why he's giving these counsels, because he sees God at work in society and in life. And he says, you've got to watch out when you set your desires on things. I've seen this amazing evil, and, and it lies on all of us, mankind. He says, you, you get someone with wealth and possessions and honor, all the good things, and they have it, and yet no power to have a settled heart that says, I'm blessed. I just get to this amazing blessing from God. Instead, they're always after the next thing. You see, even your desires, even the, the settleness of your heart is a power that God's got to give you because our natural tendency is always to strive for more. Right? Heroditus, he was 400 years before Jesus, a Greek historian. He said this, Some say the bitterest sorrow a man can know is to aspire to do much and to do little. Not so. The bitterest sorrow a man can know is to aspire to do much and to do it, and then to discover it was not worth doing. So you live your life and you strive for something. You say, well, how lame that you didn't get there. No, how lame if you got there and you sacrificed everything for it and then it turns out to be worthless. Bummer. Right, that, that's the idea. But this man's heart here in, in, in chapter 6, he's not satisfied. He doesn't see all, everything as a gift. He dreams of more or, or other things. How much is enough? And that was famously asked of Andrew Carnegie. And he says, just a little bit more. There's no satisfaction, right? There's no rest. The problem that we have is we don't enjoy what we have. And we get caught up in thinking that... that that the things we have are instruments to get more. And the preacher comes and says, no, wait. It's so marvelous if you can walk humbly. You can say, hey, look what God's given me. What you have is a gift. Not everybody gets blessed by their labor. If you are, how cool. Enjoying it might be sharing it. It might be using it, whatever. But the heart, the heart of being satisfied of receiving a gift, of it, of it not being where your value and identity is, but where your, your thankfulness to God is, that's that. Oh, says the preacher, is wisdom. He goes on. If a man fathers a hundred children 
and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many. But his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he has no burial. I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. Wow, get serious, Solomon. Right? The worst thing ever, he says. Be amazingly blessed and not be satisfied. Better to be a stillborn child than to have that experience. And yet some people have that experience. You know Why is a stillborn child better? For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, the stillborn child. And in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything. Yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place? You know, kids go to heaven. Everybody goes into the presence of God. And if you experience and you won't experience the gift that God gives you, you refuse to experience the giftedness that he lays on you, and you're always like dissatisfied, and and, and even though he gives you a hundred kids... Oh, that's a ton of blessing. And and you don't see it and you just, oh man, it'd be better for you not to experience it, any of it than to respond like that. That's what he's saying. See, we know this. Our work doesn't merit us anything before God. It is for now. So if you won't see it as a gift and instead you have this unsatisfied soul, yeah, that's a problem. That's what he says. All the toil of man is for his mouth. It's for you. Yet his appetite is not satisfied. He won't just be thankful. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? What does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. He's saying, knowing how you should act and knowing that this idea of being wise is no good if you don't have a satisfied life. Everybody's dying. The sight of the eyes is better than the watering of the appetite. Actually, what you have right now, concretely, I don't know, I, I know different people said, hey, you should make a blessing list. You should sit down and, and write out some things that God has actually given you. And that's fabulous if those things make you go, I am blessed. If you write that out and what you say is, I don't have as much as Jim over there. That's useless. But man, to have a heart that's that the Lord allows to say, my life is a gift and I'm so excited that it is. This is wisdom, says the preacher. To humbly receive what God actually gives you, it's so much better than longing for what you don't have. We want and we're never satisfied, whether with learning, with honest living, with the stuff we have, with wanting to be unique, whatever that is. Wanting to be unique, he says this about that. Whatever has come to be has already been named. And it's known what man is and that he's not able to dispute with one stronger than he. See, you can't actually fight, especially with God. God is so much stronger than you. I mean, I know Jacob did and all that, but that was kind of to make a point. You are little 
And God is so powerful. And He knows your ways and what He wants to accomplish in your life. And so often we go like, well, yeah, but it's up to me. No, you're fighting with someone stronger than you. He decides what will be for you, for me. And we fill up the air with words and dreams, and usually it's just meaningless. That's where he goes. He says, the more words, the more vanity. And what's the advantage to man? Talk and talk and talk about all the things you want to do, but you don't accomplish them. For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow. Who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Okay, I know, as you look at these things with me, you go, okay, Swanson. (laughs) We're doing this in the summer. We're doing it because it's so negative. And I just want you to see today, it's not negative. It's wisdom. God has gifted you so much. The God of the universe. And he gives you and me the ability, if we would rest in it, to sleep soundly. We tread carefully before him because he's God. We sleep soundly because he's given us everything that we have. And, and, and here we are. We, we're very careful to walk humbly and know that he's leading all the way. See, that, that wouldn't work at all if, God, if we're uncertain that God is really for us. If I had this, yeah, maybe God's for you if you're doing the right thing, that, that would be a whole other story. So, so super... Super important this morning, because if you say to me, Dax, this, these chapters are so sad, then you, you probably mean it one of two ways. First, you might mean it like, like you're not sure you want to, uh, it's not yet, the, the, you're not sure you want to agree with what this guy's saying. I mean, you could argue with me over interpretation, but this pretty standard interpretation is not very difficult to understand. You know, and, and, and somehow I think in my thinking that we should have big dreams. We should ask God to help us make them come to pass. I will commit my life to God if he will use me in radical ways, if he will go before me. And this preacher guy, this Solomon, he's throwing cold water on that. And, and then I, I, I think that with great wealth, I, this is what I think, don't you think? With great wealth comes great responsibility. People who have a lot of stuff ought to take care of people who don't. And we should make them. They should not just be enjoying wealth, they should be using it. They didn't earn that. What do I do? I start to tell people what they have to do. I'm just saying what you might object to in in what this man's saying. And finally, this last bit, you know, you might not realize that a busy life is really good right now, but it will be way better than being stillborn. What in the world? The guy had bad pizza. That's like, like encouraging suicide, Dax. Yuck. Yeah, that, that's why this is called dissonance. Because it's like running a record on the, uh, on the wrong channel with the lint on your stylus. The sound comes out and it's not quite right. To our ears, the wisdom of the wisest man from the Bible uh, isn't quite right. I want to change it. And whenever you're there, I would like to take the message of the Bible and change it. The problem is probably you. So, so here with me, the problem is you and me this morning. 
the clarity of God's word, the wisest man ever says, and I want to correct him, the problem is not him. The problem is, is me. I need to get the lint off. And you make the right noise, and you have the right orientation to life, which is humility. Receiving. Your life is about receiving from God. That's, that, that's what it is. And to reset a foundation, be my life is about receiving from God. And it has always been. I just think it's about me. And that leads to the second problem. I, I, don't, I don't really do the things he's telling me to do here. It's not law. It's not like God won't bless you. It's, he's just observing life. And, and there I am. And, and, and I'm not leading a, a particularly sound, full sleep life because I'm anxious. How do I get out of that? I mean, I get, Dax, that you say don't vow, and he says don't vow, but I vow a lot. I try not to do it anymore, but it's kind of too late. I've already made those. And I have dreams and desires that, that, that at the end of the day, as they don't come true, are not from God. They are from me. Many words. And, and don't get mad at me. I'm not judging your dreams, and some of them might be from God. It's beyond my pay grade. I, I'm saying they're often wrong. Your desires are often wrong. And there's a humility for that. There's, there's a word for when we don't want what God has for us, when we're malcontent and when we're sad at, at what he has for us. There's a word for that. It's called sin. God has his perfect plan for you, and you're like, actually, I would like plan B. Or actually plan AAA Z112. That's what I want. And, and, and so this amazing dissonance, we don't sound the right notes, our heart, our desires, our flesh leads us away. We come back here to this wisdom that shows us how we ought to be, and it's beautiful. It also shows us that we aren't, and it's absurd. It's absurd that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go together. And that, and that means it's so important that you see that the story is not over. Right? We have to add in our supposition. I told it to you at the beginning. You are beloved of the King. God died for you. He adores you. Will you receive that that is the truth? Right? In the midst of our wrong desires and our rash vows and our anxious nights and our prideful dreams of self-importance, uh, you know, like I'm supposed to save the world instead of Jesus, or Jesus needs me to get it done. And so it's the sweetest thing ever that the dissonance becomes a choir and God weaves it together because he has forgiven all of it in Christ. You see, I, I don't somehow become less dissonant if I could just get my mind to think rightly then that I could do it with, with, with tense knuckles. No, no, that's called improvement. And instead, the gospel declares, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. That's the receiving that I'm doing. Not change your heart because you can't, and that takes you right back into your own ability and pride, but receiving forgiveness. Jesus Christ died for you. Yeah, I'm going to fall over. And it's because I'm excited. He, he does. This is amazing. His gift to you humbled you, unable you, powerless you, weak you, in the wrong spot you, dead-ended you, and he actually brings life. 
Not that now you're suddenly a, a shining example of wise living. No, you actually have the most amazing thing ever, the gift of God in the forgiveness of Christ. It's ironic this is the way that actually might lead your heart to rest, your life to be enjoyed, your peace to grow, is to know that he's alive and he has you and he loves you right now as you are. Forgiveness, not improvement. This is so huge. Let me show just a couple verses to be done here. But God shows his love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't show his love for us as when we made a few steps in his direction, he decided to be kind to us. Oh no. He adores us sinners. He goes after the lost. He loves you and your wrongness. That's Romans 5.8. And then here's Mark. There's this whole piece where, where this guy comes up to Jesus and he says, how do I have eternal life? And he says, hey, you know the, you know the law? He says, well, I've, I've done it all. And Jesus looks at him and he loves him. Even though the guy's lying through his teeth. How do I know he's lying through his teeth? Because if he loves God and he loves Jesus as he's supposed to love and God tells him something to do, then he would do it, right? And instead, he, he says, you lack one thing, Jesus says, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. You lack something. <laughs> Even though you've been doing well and I adore you in the midst of your lack. That's our God, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Okay, this is the idea. Find your hope in Christ. Oh, it's okay to be quiet before the Lord. It is okay to rest at night knowing he has you. And it's okay to walk humbly knowing that he will go before you always. It may not look like it with your eyes, but we know it with our heart that we have received the gift of Christ forever. And when you don't do that, forgiveness is where it's at. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for these chapters in Ecclesiastes. Thank you for the wisdom in them. Lord, that we might be content with what we have. That we might be a people who rejoice in what you've given us. And Father, we together ask forgiveness that we are not this way. We don't just love all that you give us. Lord, I long for different things that you haven't. Please forgive me, Lord. And Lord, this day, in this place, how we, how we step into and receive the amazing wonder of your forgiveness of us. We remember, Lord, that you've done it all. And we thank you that you have us this day and forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray.